Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. The Flyers got a big win over Claude Drew and the Senators to halt a three-game losing streak. They are now 6-3-2. So we're going to talk plenty, including the defense and our biggest takeaway from that win over Ottawa. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Joe, let's get right into it. What impressed you most in the 2-1 win over the Senators? We're going to try to maybe not pick Carter Hart because it seems like he would be the selection of just about every game right now. But your biggest impression? Yeah, the, the Hart seems like the obvious one uh, for virtually every win they've had this year. But the thing that I keep I, I keep noticing about this team is they're getting scoring from a lot of different places and unlikely sources. Like Zach McEwen has three goals already. I don't remember what his total was last year, but I have to imagine he's already approaching it. I understand he wasn't with the team, you know, like the whole season. But, you know, it's like they have – for a team that depth was the major concern coming in, and I'm not saying it's not now, they do seem to be getting scoring from a bunch of different areas. And I'm not going to say you forget that Cam Atkinson's not there, but then you have to almost remind yourself like, hey, the guy who he, along with Konechny, were the, the top point getters for this team, he hasn't played yet this season. Um, and by no means am I saying this team is lighting it up and, you know, look out, you know, Eastern conference. But what I am saying is that you're getting the production they're getting is nothing that we talked about on this podcast in the off season. It's nothing that anyone wrote about. It's not, um, what we expected. And I also seem to, um, there's a resiliency with this team that I think lacked for the better part of the last two seasons. And um, I know John, John Tortorella brings that kind of stuff and, you know, he doesn't let his teams, they they don't lay down. They just don't. Um, So, you know, you, you, you see Giroux get the early goal the other night and, um, or you see a number of these games, they've gotten down to nothing. And, you kind of do this thing where watching this team over the last two seasons, you're kind of conditioned to think, okay, this is the ball's rolling downhill now, or this thing's really going to snowball. And then it doesn't. And they come back and they tie the game or they win the game or they force overtime or in the other night's case, they win in regulation. And, um, you know, it's impressive to see them find ways to win games find ways to get points. Um, Now I know it was part of a losing streak, but you know, getting a point against Carolina going into the garden, getting a point where they've just, it's really been a disaster every time they've played at the garden in the last couple seasons. To me, these things are, are, are um, team building, chemistry building, um, 
system building things with this coach that in March, in February, you can point back and say, remember when we forced OT in the garden? Remember when we forced OT against Carolina? How about when we won on, on you know, a Saturday night in Ottawa when Drew scored first? And, you know, th- those are the kind of things that um, they toughen your team up. And um, I, I think you're seeing the the John Tortorella experience play out in front of our eyes, which I, I don't think any of us doubted we would. For sure. And McEwen really caught my eye as well, Joe. You think of, you think about the path in which he's gone to score these three goals through nine games. Joe, you were right. He had three last season in 75 games. He's matched that total already in nine. And the path is really impressive. He's waived before the final roster cuts. Uh, he goes down the Lehigh Valley. He has to work his way back up here. Once he gets in the lineup, he immediately proves he belongs on the fourth line. He's actually getting power play time now. He has climbed in the lineup. He's actually played up uh, as well. So kudos to him. I mean, like that's not a lot of guys could have gone down the Lehigh Valley and been ticked off that they didn't make the final roster. They could have taken a while to get back up here. He gets back up here immediately when they need help. And uh, is John and and is really rewarding John Torrell's decision to bring him back up here. Uh, he's he's had a good attitude, and the secondary scoring is what they need. They need scoring by committee. John Tortorella has said it. The entire team has said it. Players are starting to say it, which tells you Tortorella has probably relayed that message to his team that we're going to score by committee. And guys like Zach McEwen need to fuel that. They gotta they need to chip in when it matters. And um, game winning goal in Ottawa is certainly when it matters. And Three goals through nine games. Impressive stuff from Zach McEwen. And really, yeah, they're getting it from just about everyone, but they do have leaders, and that's important. Travis Konechny leads the team in scoring. I think you needed to see that early in the season, that he was going to be a guy that would be one of your go-to, if not your best uh, scorer early. Kevin Hayes has, I think, answered the bell in terms of leadership, being one of the top playmakers on the team. So you're getting leadership uh, and guys that should be scoring, and you're getting some good scoring by committee too. I think those are good signs. Yeah, I, and and the thing is, the, what I was saying about the Tortorella experience, and I understandably, Travis Konechny is playing very well. Uh, Kevin Hayes is playing very well. But it doesn't matter if your name's Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny, Joel Farabee, or Zach McEwen. If you're playing – and playing well, you're going to play up in the lineup. You're going to play on the power play. You're going to – I mean, to me, it would have been unheard of last year to have Zach McEwen playing on the power play. Yeah. It just it just wouldn't have happened. But this coach is different. This coach – and we've heard it from guys that have played for him in the past. Um, Scott Hartnell, who I work with on virtually every game, he's said it. He said it on this podcast. He, do, he doesn't care if you're – um, the top guy in the lineup or the bottom guy in the lineup. If you're playing well, you're gonna you're gonna get rewarded with ice time, power play time, whatever the case may be. And we're seeing that play out in front of our eyes. But I agree with you, and particularly the way Hayes and Konechny have played since the game where they were benched for the third period, mm-hmm. um, to me has been impressive. And that is. Um, that's what this coach is all about. He's about accountability. And Travis Konechny's basically been shot out of a cannon since that happened. And um, 
you know, not only scoring, but we saw him mixing it up at the end of the Toronto game the other night, sticking up for teammates. And obviously McEwen's a big guy in terms of uh, that type of stuff too. So, you know, I, I, I see, I, what I see is a bunch of guys with leadership skills. There's leaders. And then there's other guys that all, all have seemingly leadership skills since this coach took over. And I think that's pretty impressive. Admittedly, too, I was concerned about how Hazen Konecki would respond to that benching, not for character reasons, because I think they're two quality guys. I was concerned because they were playing really well, and I was wondering what it would do for their confidence. Uh, they're playing well, and suddenly they're sitting for the entire third period in front of the home fans. What would happen? Would they come out and play the same way? To their credit, they've been very good uh, since then, and I think that's a good sign, and it probably sends a good message to the entire roster that these two guys are still your guys. They didn't sulk. Uh, they didn't struggle. They got right back at it the next game. Uh, and the, the entire roster probably sees that. And um, you know what's interesting about that, too, is that I, I would say Kevin Hayes, after that game, did seem a little sulky and yeah. didn't say anything. Konechny said, okay, well, I was on the ice for the goals. So, you know, um, that's probably what it was. Um John Tortorella wouldn't speak about what it was. And I found that to be an interesting tactic because what we know of John Tortorella, I know I expected that night producing postgame that he was going to come out and say, Konechny did this, Hayes did this, blah, blah, blah. He didn't say specifically what it was. He let the players get asked about it. Konechny gave an answer. Hayes really didn't. But you haven't heard it come up since again. Mm-mm. And I, I, if if Tortorella would have come out that night and said, you know, Konechny stayed on the ice too long for that shift, you would have had people like me finding the video of the shift and doing it on pregame and breaking it down. And then you'd have people tracking Travis Konechny's shifts. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's what it was, but I'm saying if he said that's what it was mm-hmm. – it would linger and it wouldn't go away. This has now gone away because he didn't say what it was. Yeah. I mean, he he was asked to assess the performance that night and he said it sucked, but it wasn't specific. And I think that's allowed it to go away. Uh, of course, their play has allowed it to go away as well. Yeah, and I talked to Kevin Hayes one of the following days after practice and he said he, he didn't seek out John Tortorella. He said if it was game, maybe game 30 or uh, in that range, maybe he's – He's going to talk to a coach if this continues, but he knew it was early. He knew Tortorella was probably trying to send a message and the message got through. Uh, He said he didn't have to go seek out the coach. He knew what it was. He knew why he sat. He he probably didn't like the way Hayes and Konechny played and he wanted to send a message. They all moved on and, and, and impressively so because they're, uh, they're still scoring. They're still doing what they need to do. Uh, It did not linger. And that was important. And the thing too is, if you bench a guy like you know, if you bench guys like like Zach McEwen or or Nick Sealer, and I'm not saying these guys have done anything to be benched, but if you bench those guys, guys like that that play down in the lineup, the message is not really felt throughout the entire dressing room. When you bench guys like Hayes and Konechny, and that night in particular, they were down a forward because that was the game that JVR got hurt in. That was really, to me, a message. And maybe it had to do with those two individual players. 
Maybe it had to do with a bigger team issue. I don't know. But what I do know is it made headlines because of the two players that it was that got benched. And, you know, message received so far. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, another noticeable thing with the Flyers right now is they have some good competition on defense. That's never a bad thing. Uh, folks in hockey always say depth on defense uh, is very much like gold. You want it. You don't want injured bodies. You want guys that are competing for that final spot. And the Flyers definitely have that right now. Uh, Justin Braun sat... Uh, uh, on the second game of the back-to-back set between the Rangers and the Leafs, he sat in Toronto. Uh, and then the next night, Zamula, uh, or, excuse me, Braun was back in the lineup and Ristolainen came out, uh, not the next night, but the next game. So they have a little bit of a, maybe a rotation going on with their defenseman. John Torrell said not long ago that he didn't really feel like any of the defensemen des- deserved to sit right now. So he knew he had a good problem on his hands. Joe, in your mind, if you if you have to have a defenseman sit at least consistently coming up here, uh, who would it be and why? To, to me, it, it, I think it's it's Igor Zamula. Um, I, I I see him doing some things, and th- I'm not sure he's fully ready for a NHL slate yet. Um, and quite frankly, I don't know that he entered the season expecting to play. I'm not saying he wasn't prepared to, but I'm not sure that he entered the season expecting to play on the regular. And I that that would be my reason because the other guys here, Sealer played a ton last season. Obviously, you don't bring a guy like Braun back not to play. And I think him being scratched the other night, I, I, I believe Tortorella kind of indicated that that had to do with like age and how many games he's played and needing a break. And we know Ristolainen has dealt with some – uh, health issues already this season and missed a handful of games to start the year. So, um, but to me, Zamula would be m- m- the guy. Um, however, the problem with Zamula is I think he needs to play. So sitting in the press box is not ideal for a player like him. Mm-hmm. So that's not the greatest thing because I, I think that he's a guy that needs to play where you kind of know what the other guys are. Um, so, but to me, Zamula, if you're talking about quality of play on the ice, I think Zamula needs to be the guy, uh, the odd man out. When Igor Zamula sat a couple of games, um, Tortorella said, don't worry, he's going to play. We're going to get him back in there because they mentioned that he should not be up here sitting. He should not be up here being an extra. I do think Zamula has made some young mistakes and they're starting to pile up a little bit. Um, and that's okay. A young defenseman, he's learning the game at this level. There's so much upside, and Tortorella realizes the upside. And there's times where I see his upside, and I'm like, wow, that's the Flyers need that. The Flyers need some of his puck-moving abilities, his ability to create some offense. Um, but when it comes to a third pair, I'd be, I'd be okay see, seeing Nick Sealer and Justin Braun. Um, I think there's two, two guys that compete. They're not going to hurt you a ton. Uh, they're going to at least compete hard, and they're not going to make, I think, a ton of uh, head mistakes. But uh, Rasmus Ruslan needs to play. If he's healthy, needs to be in the lineup. They need his presence. He's being paid to play. He should not be an extra. Um, I, don't, I do think, Joe, it boils down to Igor Zamola or Nick Sealer. If you feel like Zamola's young mistakes aren't going to be in abundance, 
I'm okay with him playing, and I think Nick Sealer's a good extra. He's a guy that you can kind of mix and match if you see a game where maybe there needs to be more physicality and effort and shot blocking. You put Sealer, you put Sealer in, and you can sit Zamula from time to time. Um, but if you foresee Zamula sitting for any extended period of time, and you really think Nick Sealer needs to be in the lineup every night, I think Zamula should go back to to Lehigh Valley and and play games down there. But uh, I don't want to take anything away from Nick Sealer. I don't think he's really done anything to me that thinks he should be out of the lineup. But I do think he is a very good extra defenseman that can come out for for some youth to go in uh, if you think Zamula is the future. Have Z- have Sealer there, and you can mix and match him. You can plug and play. Uh, very good seventh defenseman in my mind, Joe. Yeah, to me, like we like I was just saying, we we uh, we know what Nick Sealer is. Nick Sealer knows who Nick Sealer is. So, you know, I, I don't – it's not taking anything away from his play. It's um, – yeah. but he, like you said, he's a good extra. He can come in and out of the lineup. He's a plug-and-play guy. And that's, you know, that's pro- more ideal for the, ro- the roster than a guy like Zamula going in and out when he really needs to game play experience. Mm-hmm. And Tortorella has really raved about Zamula. He really likes his game. He says, I want to work with this kid. I think there's so much upside. He At one point, he said he thought he really drastically improved. And he says he wants to work with him. So I think they're going to fight that balance of Tortorella really wants to stick with them and work with them. But if he's going to start coming out of the lineup from time to time, I think the management's going to say, hey, let's get him down the Lehigh. Let's let him play some big minutes. And I think Tortorella might have to say, yeah, you know what, that's probably the best thing for him right now. But I very much think it's a rotation type of thing right now because uh, it's it's competitive and it could be a game-to-game basis depending on the matchup. I really do think that if guys are playing well, they'll stick. If there's a mistake from time to time and Tortorella doesn't like it, you'll come out and another player will go in. I think we're starting to see the rotation given Zamula came out, then Braun, then Risto. Um who knows who could be next? I think everyone knows there's a good, decent chance Nick Sealer could eventually sit, given his uh, his kind of his label as a seventh defenseman. So uh, I think three to four guys are really competing for staying in the lineup, but that's not a terrible thing, Joe. Yeah, and we don't know that Risto's still not dealing with some of the physical. Yeah. Thing. I mean, he missed a handful of games, so we don't know that his conditioning is up to, you know, what it normally is in the in when he's healthy in the midst of a regular season. So I suspect that there's probably still some of that going on with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, as much as they could get that Risto Sanheim pair playing on a regular basis that, you know, that that's what they would want. They were the most consistent pair last season. And um, obviously the top two are set. So um, yeah, I, 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 it's tough because, as you said, Zamola is learning on the fly here. And this kind of team is good for learning on the fly because no one in this room is saying, oh, we're going to you know, make a run at the Stanley Cup this season. This is seeing what – I mean, you hear John Tortorella say it at least twice a week that he has to see what he has with some of these guys. And that includes players like Igor Zamola. Mm-hmm. However – if he's an odd man out and he's not playing, you're not seeing what you have. Um, so it's a it's a bit of a conundrum they're in. 
Um, but yeah, it does create healthy competition. And I really think they need to get Ristolainen and Sanheim reestablished and quickly because, as we know, Sanheim was not playing with Ristolainen to start the year because of Ristolainen's injury. They eased Ristolainen in on the third pair. They recently, for a couple of games, got him up with Sanheim, uh, and then Ristolainen came back out. I think they need to reestablish that chemistry because, one, I think it makes Travis Sanheim better. Travis Sanheim mentioned at the end of last season – a big reason for his strong play offensively was because of Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, I think they need to reestablish that for Sanheim's game and also to take some pressure off of Tony D'Angelo and Ivan Provorov, make those guys not play, um, not, not have them overplay, not have them play too many minutes. If you have a really solid, steady second pair like Sanheim and Ristolainen that can play 20-plus, uh, it can make the life easier on D'Angelo and Provorov keep them playing exactly where they are and not uh, having to play 25, 26 minutes, rather play 22, 23. So I think that it's important to get those two going again. Yeah, for sure. You need to have your top four set. Yeah. Um, you, you can't have guys coming in and out of the lineup with your top four. That's, you know, that's a third, that has to be a third pair thing. Absolutely. Well, there's still a ton to evaluate here as the Flyers move through November uh, we're going to learn more and more about this team, more and more about John Torella and how he's getting this team to play through injuries, uh, through its youth and its inexperience. But right now, 6-3-2, and two, I think a lot of people probably would have taken that uh, at this point of the season. But we'll have plenty more to see. The Flyers are back at it on Tuesday at home against the Blues. The game is on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can catch pre- and post-game live produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. Joe, thank you so much. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, for always being flexible with our time. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.